Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's better. Uh, man, that about, that about <laughs> blew me away there. All right. Uh, I do want you to be, to be praying. Mike and Brooke are uh, just in an incredible battle uh, over in, in Ghana. Uh, the attack is just, it seems like it increases every day. And I'll be honest with you, the biggest thing is just for them, just that they will not become discouraged. Uh, they're alone over there. And, and it's just, it's a very hard place to be when you're alone. And it seems like the entire society, the entire world is against you. Um, when all you're trying to do is help. Uh, it, it's very hard for them. So um, be in prayer for them. It'd be uh, very important. And uh, so pray with us about that and then uh, go to Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. Now, we've got folks in here today that you've um, been going to Brother Allen's class, and, uh, and I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, going to the foundations class, but he's out uh, playing around today. Uh, so you know, he's down in Florida today, so uh, you can come here to our class. We've been going over the people of Genesis, and so... Uh, we talked about Abraham and, of course, uh, dealing with Abraham's faith. And we talked about Lot and, and honestly, just the lack of integrity of Lot. Um, the uh, integrity is such a very, very important thing uh, and something that we're lacking in. And, in, again, in our nation uh, is as integrity, and Lot has that. We went through last week about Lot's daughters, very little portion of scripture that even talks about Lot's daughters, but, uh, but, but we see as they begin the philosophy of what's called today consequentialism, is, which is the end justifies the means. Uh, that's where it, pretty much you can kind of see the foundation of that philosophy right there with his daughters as they manipulate the situation. They get their father drunk. They, the older daughter tells the younger uh, sister that uh, there's no other men in the world. There's, you know, we're all alone. There's, you know, if we're going to keep alive our, you know, humanity, basically, we've got to, to com commit this horrible act of incest with our father. Uh, and so they get him drunk and then they commit this incest and, and all so that they can bear a child. And it's a manipulation. It's not true. What she's saying to her younger sister is not true. She teaches and leads her younger sister. And the way I, I entitled it last week, I almost hate to even to uh, uh, throw it out here without being able to explain it, but, I, but the older sister I called university and the younger sister I called public school. Uh, so, uh, and, it's, it's, and, and it really it shows uh, the illustration, I'm going to give the illustration to church today, but, but uh, one of the first things that I, I read, and I just kind of scan news and different things, but... But one of the things that I read this morning was that uh, for the first time ever, our nation, uh, there's a higher percentage of the people of our nation who say that us bombing Japan uh, was wrong, that it was evil, and that it was wrong. Uh, and, of course, that's being based on the fact that our president just got through being in, in Japan and, and apologizing to them and telling them that we did an evil thing against them. Uh, and so they took a poll and, and found out that most of our nation, uh, at least the, you know, the majority, uh, it claims that they agree that it was wrong and evil. Now, why is that happening? Because 
because the older sister is teaching the younger sister untruths. Uh, who's the, the great difference in the voting was the 18 to 32-year-olds. Now, the 18 to 32-year-olds are the ones they call the millennials. And those millennials, those 18 to 32-year-olds, they have not been taught history of America. They, don't, they have not been taught why we had to bomb there. They have not, not been taught how many uh, thousands. And, you know, um, right at a million of our boys died in World War II anyway. And you go into fighting Japan in Japan, uh, you know, hand-to-hand, man-to-man, and we were going to lose far more of our people. And I'm sorry, but we didn't start to fight, you know. So uh, it's, it's just a, it's a history thing that, that has been washed uh, from our educational system. They don't teach American history. Uh, they teach a socialist, you know, uh, the uh, linen and uh, well, I want to go through all of it, but it's just anyway. Uh, but now that's led us until where we are right now, and where we are right now is is a person, another person of Genesis that's not real well known and not spoken about a lot. But his name is Abimelech. Abimelech. If you go to Genesis chapter twenty, Genesis chapter twenty. See, so often in, in, the, in the Bible, we'll see these stories and we'll see the people and we kind of we gloss over them. We kind of move past them because we look at the story as a whole and the story as a whole has a teaching. And it's good to see that. But you often have to back up and look at some little incidences inside the story and the people inside the story and so what we have here is a famine in the land, and, and it says in verse 20, verse 1, it's chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gera. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So he tells the king of the land, he tells the people of the land that Sarah, his wife, is his sister. And Abimelech, king of Gera, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had come not near her and said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me, therefore suffered I I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. And he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live, and if thou restore her not... Know that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore Abimelech rose in the, early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, Why hast thou done unto the, uh, done, Why hast thou done unto us? And what hast thou done? I'm sorry, I can't read this morning. What have I offended thee? Uh, that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin. Thou hast 
done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. So we have a word of prayer, and we're going to start to look at this little passage of Scripture about this man called Abimelech. Father, I pray that you bless Holy Spirit of God. Guide my mind, my thoughts, please, Lord, as we teach this uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, this Sunday, Lord, I pray that we would honor you and honor uh, so many uh, that have lost their lives for the, for the freedom that we enjoy today. Lord, I pray that you please bless us. Spirit of God, guide my mind, my thoughts, in Jesus' name. Amen. The, uh, as, you, as you read about it, you think this Abimelech, uh, it's, it's really referred to, it's, called, it's a title. Abimelech uh, is likely a title of a Philistine king rather than a proper name. And so it's kind of like they were called Abimelech. Later you're going to hear about Abimelech, but it's, but it's really short. The definition that they've given it today is, is the, uh, my father is king, uh, is the definition of Abimelech. Abimelech is king over Gerar, uh, Gerar, Gerar, however you want to say it, which, again, the location is unsure, but it seems to be a location in Palestine or even a location at that point in time inside the Egyptian control, Egyptian border. Now, whether it is or not, the Philistines, which Gerar could be part of the Philistines or Gilead, Gear is part of Egypt, but both of those in the Bible are a picture of the world. And so Abraham has gone to the world for his solution. He's gone to the world for his help. And so you got the Philistines and, and Egypt are normally a picture of the world. But what we see, and this is what's so unique about this, what we see is that God speaks to anybody who will listen. This, was, this, is, a, this is a man of the world. This is a king of a worldly people. This is a man that there's no evidence that he believes in Jehovah God at this point. But God speaks to him. God speaks to this man. You know, the scripture says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turneth it whithersoever he will. Uh, the leadership of our nation, the truth is everything, the direction of our nation is exactly what God wants it to be right now. Now, that sounds terrible because our nation is going a terrible direction. You say, well, how could it be? Because God allows wicked men and wicked decisions to judge his people. God allows wicked men and wicked decisions to bring his people back to righteousness. And if America doesn't wake up, I mean, God, he's tried and tried. And I, I'll be honest with you, I knew... Uh, and I don't know the year, I guess Persian Gulf was 90, maybe 89, 90, uh, 90. And uh, I was in an evening college class, and I was standing in an evening college class at the time. And I'm not a super Bush fan. I think there's a lot of things that could have been done uh, differently. But, but compared to what we were getting, uh, you know, I think he was the better of the two choices. But at the time, he had a, had a 94% approval rating. And it's about a year to the election. And the guy who's going to run against him is this unknown person out of nowhere, out of Arkansas, this guy named Clinton. And it was almost a joke. I mean, Bush is going to be elected. And I sat in front of a class of about 30 men, and I said, fellas, Listen to the news, and, and, and I actually turned it on for them to listen to it because what was happening was our patriot, we had been, 
you know, it was, if, if you were around then, uh, you, you understood that, that many preachers, many people were saying, okay, this is the right place, it's the right people, this, right, this could be the end times, this could be the beginning of the end, uh, this could be the right thing. And, and, and so uh, and there was a lot of concern. It was a call for the, uh, uh, the nation to come to prayer. I mean, the, the, the president himself is calling for the nation. You know, people are calling for the nation to come to prayer. And, and there's so much, uh, almost, almost of a sense of a revival because we're going into this war that may be the war to end, not to end all wars, but to end all time. And so we're going into this, this war. And, and so, man, people were on their faces and churches are praying and preachers are preaching. It's, it could be the end time. Then... In like a 24-hour period, we begin the battle. They send their Scud missiles, and our Patriot missiles start knocking them out of the sky. Boom, boom, boom. Our technology is so much greater than their technology. We're just blowing them away. And immediately, we turn from God, we need you, to we're great. And I sat there in that class and I looked at the fellas and I said, listen to me, I don't care what the approval rating is of Bush, everything that I read about Clinton is, is that he is as wicked as wicked can be and he will be elected because we have just turned our back on God. We took credit for what God just did. I told them, I said, those Patriot missiles didn't knock out the Scud missile because of our technology. They knocked them out because God let them. God did this, and instead of turning and praising God, we praised ourselves. And I said, judgment has to come. God gave us a chance. He gave us a wake-up call, and we didn't hear it. We didn't hear it. We turned our backs on God. And from that point on, again, of course, we had eight years of, of Clinton and whatever you believe about him is fine with me, but, but, but we had eight years of, of decline in our morality, decline in our education, decline in our, our, our patriotism, decline in everything that was decent, and we had eight years of that, and then uh, we, we, we just, I'll be honest with you, we, we have never come back to God. And so God has had to just continue to slam us with judgment and people that would take us to destruction. And I told someone, um, and I'll tell you this, but I, I, my, my gut feeling is, is that we, there will never be a, quote, conservative person elected again. And the reason is because we have indoctrinated our young people to liberalism and socialism, and they, we've, we've taken every bit of history away from our, our young people. Now, what do we have here, though? We have this man that God speaks to, this wicked man. He's not a man of incredible moral character, for he sees a woman, he wants her, and he takes her. I mean, the only integrity of God is that he's not going to take a man's wife. And that's a good thing, but, you know, he just goes, he says, oh, I, you know, there's, okay, she's not your wife. Well, she's your sister. Well, I'm taking her. And so he, he's not a man of some incredible moral character. Obviously, it must be known, though, that Abimelech has the potential to be ruthless. 
As Abraham seeks to protect, protect himself from Abimelech, so it, it looks like these are people kind of like Jonah going to Nineveh. He's like, man, I don't want to go there. Those are evil, wicked people. And I think Abraham kind of realizes that this is probably the situation. This being the case, though God still speaks to Abimelech. And watch, we got to give Abimelech a whole lot of credit. He listens. A lot of Christians, God speaks to them and we don't listen. But this man, God speaks to him and he says, whoa, time out. Listen, God, don't kill me. I didn't know. Abimelech surely didn't have the morals of a true Christian, but he did have a form of integrity. For he took her, believing or not, to be Abraham's wife. God truly looks, and here's, here's one of the key points about, I think, the truth or the teaching out of this, this passage, is God looks to the heart of a man. Every man and woman and child is at different spiritual levels. Everybody in this room, we're at different spiritual levels. We are. His, it's, it's just such an important thing that we understand and be patient with each other because everybody's at different levels. Here's the thing that ought to be really encouraging to everybody in here. What direction are you going? See, God cares more about the direction you're going than where you're at right now. Come here for a second. You face that way, and I'm facing this way. That spiritual growth there, heading toward the altar. Spiritual growth. I'm in the same place he is. The problem is, I'm heading away from the altar. You look at it and you say, man, they're just equal. Oh, they're the same spiritually. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're not, we're not equal at all. We may be at the same spiritual place in life, but, but hey, the truth is, God would want you step back. God would want you back there heading this way more than he wants me here heading that way. Amen. It's the direction we're heading, and, and I believe God looked at the, the heart of this man, and he said, what? Is he really trying to do? Oh, oh, he's not right with God. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't understand everything. But he had some integrity. And God says, you know, I'm going to bless that integrity because he would not have taken her if he'd known he was, it, it was a wife. He wouldn't have done it. He was being honest. When he said to God, God, I wouldn't have done it. I did this in the integrity of my heart. God said, I look at your heart and I see the direction you're trying to go. The goodness of God leadeth us to repentance. And when God sees us heading at least the right direction, he's, he's going to be really good to you. And watch what he's going to do. None of us has it all together, but God blesses the heart of one who desires to do right, the right that he knows. Now, folks, here's what it is. We don't know all the same thing. There's some people in here that know... Every book of the Bible, there's Miss Johnny May been studying the Bible for at least 75 years. <laughs> now, there's some that, man, you know, every, you know what it's about. You know, you know everything about 
the characters in it, you know a whole lot, and there's some in here that right now, honestly, if I told you to turn to the book of Hezekiah, you would start looking and looking and looking, and let me help you, it's not there. There's no book of Hezekiah. But here's the point. What do you, what do you know? Are you living what you do know? Are you living what you do know? Are we living according to God's principles that we do know? I'll be honest with you again. Today we know much and do little. This is a generation that we're in. And it's not a, when I say that, truthfully, it started way back. It's kind of like the last hundred years of America. It's been no much, do little. Abimelech was a man who knew little, but he listened to God and obeyed what he did know. In humility, he yielded to God's direction and led his people to follow and to fear God. He just, I mean, immediately this, this king humbles himself to God. And, and folks, that's all it's, it's really taken is whatever God speaks to our hearts about. People will say to us often over the years, how? How does this happen to you, your life, your family, the, your marriage? How did this happen? And I go back to simple childlike faith. That's all it was. Say, so what's simple childlike faith? When God said it, we were just stupid enough to believe it was something we were supposed to do. We didn't know any better. Is this what we're supposed to change? Then we're going to do it. Is this what we're supposed to add? Then we're going to do it. Is this what we're supposed to eliminate? Then we're going to do it. Now most... Forgive me, but as I've looked at the world and society and people that we've rubbed shoulders with, and they've struggled in so many areas of marriage and children and, and life and integrity, and, and honestly, I look and I think they heard the same things we heard. They were the same places we were at. They, they, and I look, it's not us. We're nothing, nothing special. And I'm not saying we're anything great. I'm just saying that it, God will bless if you in simplicity will just say, Lord, tell me what to do. I won't do it perfectly, but I will try. And Lord, when I fail, I'll get back up. And when I, when I, when I fail you, I'll confess it. But I, Lord, I'm going to try my best to do what you want me to do. Notice that even when we are not doing everything right, this is amazing to me. Notice that when we are not doing everything right because of ignorance, God may in his grace and mercy protect us from decisions and actions that would harm us. You see, it says in this passage of scripture that God says, I know the integrity of your heart. That's why I kept you from touching her. That's an amazing thing. Here's a king. He sees a beautiful woman, and who knows how long he's had her in his possession, so to speak. But God somehow orchestrated everything to keep them from coming into contact together. 
And why? He just saw the integrity of the man's heart. He said, I know you're not wanting to mess up, so God said, I'm going to orchestrate things so y'all can't cross paths. I'm going to keep you from messing your life up. That's an incredible God, folks. That's an incredible God of mercy and grace. I'll give you, and maybe some of you know, but I believe this is truly what he means when, when Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, folks, we don't know the path to walk. We're human. And we beg God and we beg God and we beg God if we're right with God. We want to know God's, that we're walking the path God wants us on. But can I tell you, every one of us is human. And every step we take, man, I know God wants me to do this. I think, I hope, I believe. I'm absolutely sure I'm supposed to do this, I think. Without a doubt, this is where I'm supposed to go, I hope. That's the way we do. But God said, it's not God saying, oh, no, no, you blew it there, sucker. He said, no, you're in integrity of your heart. You're trying to take the right step. So, hey, I'm going to protect you. The, uh, it's just a little bit of illustration. It's not, but I think it was 19, 1986, took over the military ministry of First Baptist Church at that time because I took it over. I was making $13,600 a year. And, uh, and every weekend, uh, we would bring in 6, 8, 10, 12, 15, 16 sailors to our house. And every weekend, um, you know, we didn't have a grocery budget. And my wife never had a grocery budget. It was we paid our bills and... And whatever God left at the doorstep was our groceries and whatever we, whatever we could do, we, that's the way it was. So weekends would come, and anything that we had in the house, we would try to use to feed those boys, and they would clean us out. I can still, my girls, they're still bitter because they would sit around uh, on the, the table wasn't big enough for everybody, so we'd have sailors everywhere and on the couch. Our girls would be sitting in the corner, and they'd be eyeing whatever biscuits Mama had made, hoping those boys didn't eat the last one, so they would get a biscuit this morning. But it never happened because those boys would eat everything that was out there. I think they would gnaw on the forks and spoons. So, you know, they just would clean us out. But we lived in a little two-bedroom apartment, and uh, so, and we're housing six, eight, ten sailors on the weekend, plus our four girls. And so uh, uh, it, was, it was kind of a crazy situation. So we wanted a house. We wanted real badly a house. Now, we wanted a house, same reason we want a house now, so that we could take care of people, so we could do things for people, so that we could help. And so, uh, and, and I fully was convinced this is what God wanted me to do, that God wanted us to have a house. I knew he did. I just wanted us to have a house, and my preacher came and he said, I'm going to give you one of our church houses that you can live in. You can live in free. He said, why don't you go look at it? We went and looked at it. It was a little two-bedroom house, and my wife and I said, it'd be wonderful, it'd be beautiful, it'd be incredible, because it's free. But we can't house sailors in it. It's just not enough room in this house to house sailors. The apartment we had had a basement, so we, had, we would sleep in the basement and our you know, sailors would be upstairs, and so this was even smaller, and we wouldn't be able to do it. So I had, went back to him and I said, 
I said, preacher, I know this is crazy, and everybody thought I was crazy, but I'm going to turn it down. Uh, because I believe God is going to give us a house where we can house sailors. He just stared at me like nobody turns down a free house. And I know it's really stupid, but, but I did. And so, well, right, then we, we find this, uh, this house, and it's, and it's in an area that's, that's pretty decent, decent area. And uh, it's at, it was $30,000 for the house, and we barely would qualify uh, for $30,000 if I had no other bills, no other things. But we got everything in the at ducks in a row. It, every door was opening to, to have this house. I even asked my preacher, do you think this is a good area, uh, you know, good place to buy? And he said, I'm not going to say it is. I'm not going to say it isn't. So if you want to, you know, just go for it. And so I went, and everything fell into place. The week we're supposed to sign the papers, the, uh, um, uh, the, they came and they said they want uh, some kind of insurance uh, that, that you had to have on it, I think for like, you know, if it's uh, foreclosures or whatever, some kind of insurance. And they said they won't write an insurance policy on this house. And I said, well, what does that mean? You know, because I'm not, I'm not planning on you foreclosing on me. So they said, well, we can't sell you the house without that insurance. Well, I said, well, where can I get the insurance? They said, nobody will sell it to you. I said, so, okay, this doesn't make sense to me. I qualify for the house. I'm approved for the house. We're ready to sign the papers on the house, but nobody will give me insurance for the house, and I can't buy the house without the insurance. So I went back to my wife, and I said, baby, I don't know what to do. I think God just shut the door on us, and I don't understand because I really believed he wanted us to have a house, and he just shut the door. Well, about two weeks after this, a man called me and said, there's a house, and it's a much closer to the college, much better area, much bigger house. He said, and I said, well, we can't afford it. He said, it's sitting empty. It's a repo. He said, I can't even find a sign in there. It's snow on the ground. What we found is the sign had fallen down in the snow, been covered up by the snow. And we went, and he broke in the back window of the place, and and uh, kind of crazy fella, but he went in, and this was a two-story, you know, bi-level place, had, had three bedrooms upstairs, had a, be a bedroom downstairs, and all kinds of, you know, for us, all kinds of room. Now, truthfully, it was only like, you know, I don't know, 1,500, 1,600 square feet, but to us, it was massive. And so we went, we, I said, well, what can we do? We went and talked to the bank. You won't believe this. This is a long story. But he, we went and talked to the bank. The bank asked us to move in. The bank asked, and we lived free in the house for five months. And then after five months, they did everything, long story, but they did everything including just dropping the interest rate so that we could be approved to buy this house. And then a college, 19-year-old college student gave me a $2,300 down payment to pay it off. You so when you beg God and beg God and you think, I'm supposed to go down this road, he's, when you have the integrity of your heart, I just believe there's a God that just says, you, I know you're trying to do right, so I'm going to slam that door right there. You can't go any further there. And you'll be confused, you're confused, because you know, I know God wants me to do this. But he just shut the door. Why? Because he was going to open the door up over here. And he had it planned for you all the time. And almost 3,000 sailor boys in the next nine years stayed in that home.
We sometimes would have 75, 80 people on Thanksgiving Day. And at the end of every Thanksgiving Day for nine years, I'd sit them down in the living room there, in the living room dining area that we had. It was really not very big, but I'd have 20 or 30 or 40 sailors. And 10, 15, 20 boys would get saved. And that's what that house God had for us. And I was trying so hard to do what I knew he wanted us to do. But in the integrity of your heart, he says, you're human. I'm just wanting you to want me and wanting you to serve me and wanting you to want what I want for you. But I know you're human and sometimes you're going to think you're taking a right step when you're taking a wrong one. So he says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to shut the door on you. So sometimes if you feel like that door's been slammed on you, that doesn't mean that God's upset with you. It just means he may be protecting you. So, Father, I pray that you're blessed. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us in the next hour to come. Be with the young people as they have their play and as they sing and the different things they're going to do for today. Please bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm sorry? I said I would really like to see the skit. Is it okay if I bring my little class in back here and have my sister? They'll sit good. Oh, yeah. They're five and six. So they love. Actually, when Autumn helps me in there, she does a puppet show for them, and they just sit and just soak. So I think sure. they'll love it. No, that's fine. But, okay, I didn't know, and I wanted to ask you. And I wanted to ask you, um, was it Wednesday night in the, the Bible study with the principals? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I've never heard anyone say that works, the wife works, the money should just be, never heard that in the 15 years I've been here, but last week we got a letter in the mail, whatever, and Josh, Josh's job, I do that for a year and a half, and you have a small pension, but it's less than five grand, you can cash it out, or roll it over, but I'm being like, $200, which, I mean, up until that, we were like, I have to work, we have to make bills. Now I feel like that's my thing. You don't have to. And I still want to. Uh, my husband he wants me to, so when he gets to be a GM, but I don't have to feel pressure. Right. So I was just trying to tell I was trying to explain that to him. He said, I've never heard that before. But it would it be on the C D. It'd so be on there, but um, I just felt like that went with what you were saying and like God's like, You can you can quit that money.
sort of give me the eye.
morning. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Let's take our hymn books and turn to hymn 437, the battle hymn of the Republic, hymn 437. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. I have seen him in the watch bars of a hundred circling camps. They have built him an altar in the evening dew and damps. I can read the righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His day is marching on. Good morning, let's shake hands. Let's sing that last verse. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Thank you so much for coming out on this uh, Memorial Weekend. I know a lot of people have a lot of plans and family coming in and people going out, but uh, thrilled to have you all here. As you can see, we've got some uh, decorations and different things to kind of honor the day and to remember the day, and a lot of people work to try to make it nice and uh, out in the hallway. We're also, we, we're going to have a little uh, video here in just a, just a moment after I have prayer. 
Uh, it'll just be a couple minutes long. And then uh, later on in the, in the service, we're going to have a little skit, a little play by our young people uh, in honor of Memorial Day. So um, uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love, your goodness, your mercy to us. Lord, thank you for the freedom that we enjoy today. And Lord, uh, so many don't realize anymore how much the soldier, the military man, the woman, they gave their life and their service, their time, their energy, their, they gave of themselves that we would have this freedom. And Lord, it seems that so many just don't understand what it took to be able to stand here today. But Lord, I pray that we here at Calvary Baptist Church, we would remember and that today would be a time where we'd, it would help us to remember. Please bless us. Holy Spirit of God, guide everything that we do. And Lord, I pray that we would each, starting with me, that I yield myself to thee and that you would use me totally and completely today and that everyone in here, that we would be yielded to your word, yielded to your purpose. Please, dear God, we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. ...who had died while on active duty. I said then that there is a special sadness that accompanies the death of a serviceman, for we're never quite good enough to them. Not really, we can't be, because what they gave us is beyond our powers to repay. And so when a serviceman dies, it's a tear in the fabric, a break in the hole, and all we can do is remember. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us. Let's all stand, if you wouldn't, turn to him, 438, my country, tis of thee. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse of 438. 
country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. My native country, the land of the noble free, thy name I love. I love thy rocks and rills, thy woods and temple hills, my heart with rapture thrills like that above. Our Father's God to thee, author of liberty, to thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light, protect us by thy might, great God our King. Thank you. You may be seated.
down foundations, twisting laws and setting snares. He would take away our freedom and replace it with despair. And he laughs at those opposing him as if they were not there. But God's children cannot sit by. We must stand up and defend. For the battle is not over till our King declares the end. We must work and fight and lead Him, not as those who beat the air. For the greatest weapon in our hands is strong and firm and Stem the blood of wickedness. 